The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. Charlie Weston, personal finance editor of the Irish Independent, is back with us again today because of a front page story that he has today with his newspaper in relation to the so-called standing charges that you pay to your electricity and gas providers, irrespective of how much gas or electricity you actually consume. So even Charlie, if over the summer months you don't use any gas because you have no reason to be heating the house, are you still playing to your gas supplier? You are. And and look, at that's fair enough. And that's always been there, Matt. These standing charges cover the the cost of, their fixed cost of providing the supply into your home. You know, whether it's gas or electricity, it's the cost for using the network to, and the, the, the wires or pipes to get the electricity or the gas into your home. I suppose what the problem is, is we've seen a huge increase in wholesale gas prices and that's translated into higher unit rates for electricity and gas. But how is increasing the this, this standing charge, how is that justified in, in the current circumstances? And that's kind of the question I've asked all the energy providers because we've seen huge increases in the standing charges in between, you know, up to 300 euros, you know, actually more than 300, 326 euros is the highest one. On the gas side, uh, you know, some some um, households are now paying seven hundred euros a year in standing charges for electricity alone. So before they flick on a switch, you know, before they start, you know, having long electric showers or putting on electric heaters, seven hundred euros has to be paid out. So you know, it really that doesn't do anything to kind of uh, encourage you to use use less as the government is trying to do. And has there and, been a, has there been an increase from all of the suppliers in the past year or so on the standing charge as well as the much publicised increases for the consumption? That's right, Matt. Yeah, you know, we we know, and we, you you can, can you can see a justification for increasing the unit prices of of gas and electricity. But the standing charges have all gone up. They've gone up anywhere between 100 and, uh, say, 137 euros up to 326 euros. So they've all increased their standing charges. Um, you know, re- interestingly, the most recent wave of increases, they didn't do it because, um, you know, I keep asking them about it and why they're doing this. But there have been a, a, quite a few increases in the standing charges this year. You know, Electric Ireland, depending on whether, whether you're on an urban tariff or a rural tariff, as you know, the rural tariffs are higher, Matt. I mean, their standing charge has gone up uh, by between 137 and 200 euros. So, um, so explain that a little bit more. So the standing charge depends on where you live, does it? It does, yeah. I mean, because you're in, you know, people are on urban tariffs and it's considered cheaper to, to deliver electricity and gas to those people because they're, they're more concentrated, there's more of them. Uh, but if you're in a rural area, you probably, you know, your home is probably uh, stretched out. There's, there's more wires needed to get the electricity to you. It's more costly. You know, if there's a break, um, you, it, it's expensive to repair it. So you, p- people in rural areas, and this drives them nuts, have to pay a fair bit more. Their tariffs tend to be higher and their standing charges are higher as well as a result, Matt. So, you know, there's a there's a difference between town and country, if you like. And uh, But you know, the standing char- charges have increased for both rural tariffs people and people on urban tariffs. OK, and there's nothing you can do about it. You can't go and argue this, can you? No, and that is the problem, Matt. I mean, if you're if you do what the government says, and you know you cut your consumption, and the European Union's going to encourage us to do that, particularly between five and seven, we're being told in the winter, 
the need is to cut down our consumption because we can't generate enough electricity at times, y- y- you're still getting hit because the standing charge is going to be there anyway. So what's the incentive for putting up solar panels? And, you know, as, as, as one person pointed out to me, that, that's very, very mean because the people who can afford to put up st- uh, solar panels are going to save a bit. But the others, the rest of them, particularly poorer people, are going to end up subsidising this because the energy companies have decided they're going to they're going to make make sure they have a, a certain kind of certainty about their revenues by increasing the standard charges quite a bit this year as but they did see, by Charlie, increasing them up. There are a number of people pointing out that whatever about the cost of the gas or electricity that they have to buy in to resell to us or that they have to generate, and those are clearly fluctuating at present. They're effectively asking us to cover some of their fixed charges. We don't know how much the fixed charges have gone up, though, to justify a large percentage increase in the fixed charges that they apply to us. Yeah, yeah, that's right, Matt, and it's not regulated. You know, as, as Michael Kilcoyne of the Consumers Association points out, if a taxi driver wants to increase his prices, he or her prices, they have to get permission to do that. With the energy companies, they they, they just do this, you know. Um, Sorry, and just to and clarify, ask, clarifying this, because we did have a member of the regulator's office on with us earlier, they don't regulate, regulate pricing, they don't regulate the standing charge either, do they? They don't, Matt, and that's not their fault now. People are having a pop at the regulator all the time saying, what's the regulator doing? We have a policy where... We free competition, and the idea was that we, you know, we 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 got rid of the mon- monopolistic position that the ESB had and bought Gosh, and we opened up the market. And the idea was we'd have a lot of providers in the market competing with each other, and prices will come down. But we don't regulate the pr- the, the, the the prices as such, so because we want free competition. But you know, I mean, I asked many of them, "What are you doing here?" Well, you know, Electric Ireland were pretty honest about it, and they're the biggest. Uh, electricity supplier, as you know, 1.2 million customers. He said, "Look, at, um, if if we didn't increase the standing charge, the unit rate would have to go up even more." So, it, it's that's it's just so unfair because there's nothing you can do with the standing charge. At least you can cut your consumption to save money and and, and to be environmentally friendly. By you know when the unit rate goes up, but with the standing charge, it's it's a stealth tax. There's nothing you can do about it. You're forced to have to pay it whether you put on the lights or not, whether you flick on the gas or not. Okay, Charlie Weston, personal finance editor of the Irish Independent. Thank you for joining us. As some people are pointing out that they do use their gas in the summer, even if not for heating, they do for the gas cooker and for heating their water. And it's ridiculous what they are being charged. We're also joined by Don Moore, chair of the Irish Academy of Engineering, uh, engine en- energy, excuse me, and. Class- Climate Action Committee. He's a former head of ESP International. Don, is there a justification for the big increases in standing charges which are not linked to consumption? It's hard to see how that can be justified. They are supposed to cover, uh, as Charlie Weston said, fixed costs. And um, those fixed costs can be calculated. I mean, they're divided amongst customers. So I... Um, I I find it hard to see the logic. But there is a bigger picture, and that is the trading system, which we adopted 20 years ago um, when when we opened the market up to competition, is now broken. And um, the the inflation in the gas price, uh, beyond anything that anyone could have imagined, has meant it's 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 going to have to be redesigned. I would urge that Ireland does not try and redesign its own because I wouldn't have confidence that it would be it would be viable. 
this will be a European project and we should follow their lead. The other thing about tinkering... Sorry, can I just ask you that, does that suggest free market failure? It was never envisaged that we'd have this huge uh, uh, um, increase in the price of gas. That was never taken into account. I mean, the assumption was Russia had become a normal country. It was trading gas in competition with other countries who had gas, and the market would actually determine the price. And that was the way it actually worked, until suddenly Russia reverted to type and and, and, uh, invaded Ukraine. So uh, Russia, I think, is going to be out of the European gas market indefinitely. Uh, More gas will come in from outside. In fact, I think the solution is going to be, in the short term, a lot of LNG is going to come from around the world. And and, uh, even Germany, who are the principal... um, uh, buyers of Russian gas are now building five LNG plants. The first will be commissioned in the new year. So over a period of time, the price of gas will come down. But here is the thing. Um, gas fire generation, and by the way, we have the biggest proportion of our electricity from gas fire generation. Other countries have nuclear or they might have very large hydro. We are dependent upon gas fire generation to back up our system. Now, um, the difficulty is this, that uh, when wind power is available, it gets priority. It's dispatched first. So the gas-fired power stations are taken offline, are wound down, and they were never designed for that. And that's why they're breaking down now. The the very high-tech machines are supposed to run nonstop for a year and then come out for maintenance. So now they're old and they're breaking down, and we've made no provision whatsoever to replace them. So prices are, you know, uh, th- th- this is this is why uh, we're in a very, very... And Don, there's yeah. a report, I think, out today suggesting yeah. that we actually have to have our own gas storage facilities. How easy would it be to establish them? We had one guest recently who suggested, for example, that the old uh, gas vaults at the Kinsale field could be used for this purpose. Could they? Uh, well, they could, have been, they could have been used. The difficulty is that if you're using an old gas field, right, to store gas, you have to leave gas in it. It's called cushion gas. You can't just put it into an empty gas field. And uh, I've seen one estimate that we'd have to put a billion euros worth of gas into the Kinsale gas field before we could use it as a store. So, so sorry, uh, you know, does that mean we've lost and wasted an opportunity that was there for us? Absolutely. We have oh. wasted it. By the way, it, it, was, it was used as a store briefly, and then it, there's a cost associated with that. <clears throat> and uh, whoever is supposed to be taking these decisions, and ultimately I suppose it must be Eamon Ryan's department, decided we didn't need it. So we, we, we are importing 70% of our gas. Um, <clears throat> at Car- Carl Field in, in a few short years will be gone. We could be importing 90% or 100% of our gas. And uh, we'll be buying it at the most, most expensive time, which is the winter. So th- this is just one of a series of policy failures. Um, and Don, can I ask you then about the proposed LNG terminal, which yes. a lot of people are saying, oh, no, you can't be doing that because some of the gas that's coming in might be fracked gas. Can we afford at this stage <sighs> to take that approach? Do you know something? We're using fracked gas right now. Do you we know are? why? Because there are LNG terminals in the UK and that fracked gas is flowing into, into the pipelines to Ireland. So I think people need to get real. By the way, 
um, a, a, a lot of most of the gas uh, that comes as LNG is not fracked. It's mainly U.S. gas is fracked. Gas can come from the Middle East, from the Far East. It come, can come from anywhere, and we have. To, I think it's an absolute priority that we do have an LNG facility in I, Ireland. Don, some people are asking. What does LNG mean and how can okay, you store right. gas? You okay. liquefy it, do you? You actually, you, you freeze it, in effect, and turn it into a liquid, right? So you drop the temperature way down low so you can transport it. When it becomes a liquid, the volume shrinks so you can, you can actually send it around the world in these gigantic tankers. And then it's brought into a facility on land where there are special tanks that can hold this uh, and it's transferred to that, and then it can be released into the gas network. So it's a, a well-understood technology. Every other country in Europe with a coastline has, many of them have multiple LNG terminals. We, at the very end of the European gas grid, have decided, no, we don't want it. Well, you know, if we have, uh, if we have problems this winter with prices or with outages, um, I think that would be the consequence of, of those very, very bad decisions. In fact, I, 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 could I just say that it came as a surprise last year to most people when they discovered that we were trying to procure emergency gas generation because gas generation has hardly been mentioned at all in the last 10 years. It's always been about the climate action plan. So just to be absolutely clear, we're planning to add another 10 thousand megawatts of renewable energy that would be 15,000 megawatts in total we have five at the moment that 15,000 megawatts will have to be backed up by gas fire generation because there are days when the wind doesn't blow and in fact i would urge everybody to go onto the air grid um website and they show for every day where the generation is coming from so there are days when wind might be providing 40 percent and there are days when they might be providing 1%. So there is no alternative to gas for generation. I would suggest probably until it might be 2040 or the late 2030s. Green hydrogen, which is often tossed around, doesn't exist as a viable technology anywhere in the world at this point in time. There's a lot of research going into it. But for now, it's, it's okay. not going to help us. Don, there's one other thing I want to ask you about, and this is the debate as to what the government does to help uh, individual households and businesses with their bills. So um, the government's approach seems to be of giving cash rebates or cash back to people to help them cover their bills, whether that'll be enough. There are some people arguing that a price freeze has to be put in place, that the various suppliers will be uh, capped at the price they charge per unit of electricity and gas. But would that approach actually work or would the government end up having to probably write in sort of a blank check to the suppliers in a situation like that about potentially vast cost to the country? Well, as I said in the beginning, the, the, the market system is broken at the moment and the EU are, are desperately trying to come up with an alternative. One, one of the things we need to bear in mind is that the Climate Action Plan, which, as I mentioned, is going to add another 10,000 megawatts of renewable energy and associated transmission lines. Um, the cost of that is going to be somewhere between 18 and 20 billion euros. And, and most, most of that investment will come from outside of Ireland, 
the big energy companies. And the one thing that they hate is uncertainty. So tinkering around with the rules, you know, um, sends the wrong signal. And they don't have to come to Ireland. There's a lot of countries competing for that investment. So I, I'm nervous when I hear government coming up with short-term solutions. I think there's a big impetus in the EU to come up with a master plan as to how the burden is going to be eased uh, for, for electricity and gas customers. And if we, had, if we followed their program, we won't stand out um, uh, as, as a kind of a place where, oh, you know, you can't trust that the rules will, will remain the same. So we're in very precarious waters at this point in time. And uh, short-term solutions, we should avoid them where possible. I, I understand I understand that people are hurting, um, but there are things that the government should be doing right now, uh, especially to avoid power outages. For example, the critical time is between 5 and 7 o'clock in the evening. That's when people come home and turn on their cookers and dishwashers and washing machines. There should be a campaign to actually ask people to shift that to a different time, you know. You might have to cook your meal, but you don't have to turn on the washing machine or the dishwasher. Believe me, that, makes a, that would make a huge, a huge difference. So there should be a campaign for energy conservation to avoid, to avoid power cuts. And the other thing that could actually save the day is that there is approximately 1,800 megawatts of backup generation associated with data centers in the Dublin region. So in other words... Each data center has its own diesel generators because they cannot afford to be cut off by the grid even for a minute because, you know, their, 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 their systems would go down. So they have backup generation. <clears throat> and I think that backup generation should be used to actually okay. bolster the, 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 you know, the, uh, the, the, the amount of generation on the system. It would involve actually changing the kind of planning uh, for, for these diesel generators, but it's a short-term me- measure and it, if, it could actually prevent um, power outages. Don Moore, thank you for being with us. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today.